Good evening, good evening, good evening. Let's get right into another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Fellas, how are you? Doing well. Very well today. That's great to hear, Wildcat. Doc, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm so excited. I almost joined in on the growl. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, Doc, Doc had a, and, well, and that's because Doc had a nice day today. Well, well, we'll, I, I we'll get into that in uh, a bit. But let me allow me a few moments. To, to, to comprehend to uh, or enlighten us, which, which is it? Get some things off my chest. That's enlightenment. Listen pertaining up, to Listen um, the, and I do this annually because one of the things we're going to discuss <laughs> in this podcast <laughs> is around this time of year because I, I apparently some folks seem to lose their minds and want to have a revisionist history of to things. To, so these are for the people who just seem to forget or discount is a better word, discount that the Houston Rockets won two championships by saying, well, you know, Michael Jordan would have been healthy, you know. Michael Jordan would have been playing, the Rockets would have won no championships. And my response to all of them, including some folks in the media, which really surprised me, the media, not fans, you know, fans. The, the fans are fans. Fans fans, they love Jordan and think Jordan is perfect. And didn't, if they forgot that he didn't win championships until his eighth year in the league. But anyway. <laughs> like those first seven years, he, just didn't he count. Needed, he needed some changes. In he the, needed in help. His, in, exactly. He like needed, he won by himself. Like he's playing one against five he, all by himself. He started anyway. out with Charles Oakley and went with. Uh, but you know he had Horace Grant and you know etc. He got Cartwright. Scotty Pippen became a better player, more mentally tough and more all around skills, and Peter cool Armstrong and Steve Kerr etc. So he had team. He had help. Unlike some folks thinking, oh, Jordan won by himself. He scored all hundred five points by himself. He defended all five positions. He did everything by himself. So. <laughs> And these same folks say, well, you know, if Mike would have been in the league, first there was a reason why he was in the league. Let's not forget that either. But, well, you know, Rockets would have, Bulls would have won eight straight championships. And I always say, okay, so how can, first, how can you guarantee that? You can't tell me. You don't know that Mike would have got hurt. Mike could have got hurt. Could have torn his ACL. Could have broke his foot, which he did in his career. Right? Right. He did break his foot before. Yes, so did. it could happen again. Oh, no, you just talking. No, no, you just say you're playing what ifs. They're like, okay, what are you doing? Telling me about stuff that could have happened. I'm telling you what did happen. The Rocks won two cha- straight championships. Well, I'm going to say one thing. And then did they, you, right? They, that's true, and then okay. you can continue on. Folks, let's pay attention. Every other team in the league had an opportunity to do what? Win two championships during that time. Am I wrong from the three of my compadres? No. All right, no. then. Continue on, sir. And the reason why I bring this up, and like I said, it's an annual thing. It always happens around playoff time, is the obvious news of the past few days. Steph Curry, sprained MCL, out for at least two weeks. Chris Paul, broken metacarpal, out. Blake Griffin, injured, quadriceps, out for the playoffs. Two down. Two down. Injuries happen, do they not? Injuries yes, happen. Yes, they do. That's what I know happened. Injuries happen. So do not sit here and tell me that the Houston Rockets would have lost to the Chicago Bulls because Michael would have stopped them. I don't know that. Neither do you. So we're going back 20 years ago. Well, you know the Bulls would have beat the Rockets because of how they matched up. No, I don't. (laughs) Because they didn't play. What I know is who the Rockets beat. That's what the Rockets beat, the Magic and the Knicks. That's what I know. The Bulls didn't get there. I know that, too. And they beat San Antonio along the so, way, too. So, and David Robinson knows full well about that yes. beat down that he got right there. Took my, cha- took took my, my trophy. MVP, took my, my trophy. trophy. So, yeah, so Akeem showed him. And David Robinson was a great player. 
Yes, he was. Akeem was just better. That's all there is to that. So don't don't tell me with a straight. Like I said, I mean, people in the media will swear up and down and try to argue me down and say, well, you know, the Bulls would have beat the Rockets those two years when Michael wasn't in. The, what? I don't know that. I don't either. How do you know that? I don't either. And I proudly wear my T-shirts and all when I go out of town. And keep in mind, I am not giving a fan Houston Rockets fan. Right. So don't get it twisted like I'm wearing rocket color glasses. No, not even. But if we're gonna play the what if game, what if I won the lottery? I'd be rich. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd all be, as they say, you know. So out. all, so all that stuff. Injuries happen. Injuries happen in every. Injuries happen in walks of life. Injuries are a part of sports. I never want to denigrate a team for winning a championship. Winning a championship is hard. Winning a championship two years in a row is even harder. You have to have so many things go your way. You have to make your own breaks. You have to be healthy. All those things play a part of it. You still have to get the job done on the court, on the field. You still have to win those games. So never discount what a championship a champion does to win a championship by what if this, what if that. What does that prove? Not a damn thing. What if? What Exactly. That's what it proves. What if? Just like I said, not a damn thing. And now what if again? What if Jason Terry is right in his guarantee that the Houston Rockets are going to go into Oakland tonight and win game five? That's not a what if. No, no. I'm saying what if they win. That's what I'm saying. That's that's not a what is. Exactly. What is? What is it? <laughs> that's, that's a hope. That's, that's <laughs> okay, a that's a hope. That, I call that. I, I call that hope beyond hope. And people that know me know I've mentioned. I've made that statement quite a minute, quite a bit of times. Hope beyond hope. But if they do, to answer your question, uh, to be fair to you, Chris, um, it would shock everybody. It sure would. It shock everyone, and I think it would just delay the inevitable to give you the second part of your question. Uh, because I just don't see him winning three games in a row. Let's say they even come back to Houston and they do the impossible twice. Uh, get it to even. Oh, die, Yeah, die. people get a little worried. They'll get some concern and they'll go back. But I cannot see him losing three games in a row, losing two games. Uh, Golden State losing two games at home. I just don't see that as being realistic. I can't see this team that has these major ups and downs be able to go up on this increased plane for three straight games. Okay, so we're saying – I mean, I, I agree, but we're saying it more because of the Rockets' inconsistencies because, after all, correct, the Warriors are without Steph Curry. And I understand that. So, but I still think they're talented enough and have enough depth when you play, play some who, they, who they're playing. I think it may be a more, a more difficult challenge uh, – it's like San Antonio and Memphis. I mean, you just have a team that is so depleted. And in Memphis, it was truly injuries. For Houston Rockets, it's mentally. And I don't, I'm don't. i very careful when they say that because I don't want to attack athletes in terms of them being less in terms of mental. But I'm saying in terms of a cohesiveness of a team, they don't play like a team. Agreed. No, they no play question. like individuals. Yes. And sometimes individual talents can get you so far. We've seen that for halves. We've seen that in quarters in this. We haven't even seen it for three quarters. So now you're asking me to see it for four quarters. I don't see that as three possible. Three times. Right. Right. I don't see that as possible. Uh, and three times definitely just really you're talking about 
playing the lotteries, when you're talking about a team having to come together, I just don't see that realistic. Even with the great player, what many are arguing right now, the greatest, play, greatest player in the game, I would challenge that to some degree. Obviously, the best, one of the best shooters in the game, if not the best shooter, I definitely feel comfortable with saying that. And um, But Golden State just has too many options. Um, they play more as a team. Yes. So to lose your star to uh, for a, a group of players that play as a team, similar with so many people talked about Golden, I mean with San Antonio, I think people just like the style because it's a little more up tempo uh, with Golden State. So people are fascinated and watching it now, but they don't get the credit they deserve in terms of their ball movement oh, exactly. and the people in places them moving as well. Something that you talk about all the time. Yep. That, uh, frustrates you in different games that yep. you watch at various levels, men and women, yep. is when you see the stagnant Heck, part yes. of the game. It's, yes, sit you know, and watch. John McClendon, who you know I love to put out there, is one of those who talked about the ball had to be in continuous movement. And he talked about it not uh, learning from the Naismith, you know, the inventor. Yeah. that the, When he talked about movement, he was not just talking about on the offensive side of the state. He was talking about full court, yeah. moving from once you take the ball out in, on the defensive side. Yeah. So he revolutionized the game in terms of that component. And so I'm just talking about going from old to new. I don't see that with the Rockets. And let me Okay. Because we talked to you, and we were there Sunday. First quarter, tied at 29. Okay. Second quarter. Tied at 27. Halftime score, 56-56. End of the second quarter, Steph Curry slips on a wet mm. spot, twists his knee. knee. Looks really bad. Looks bad. We found out it was. Exactly. So we find out that he cannot. He's not going to play in the second half. Third quarter, no Steph Curry. You give the up. The Rockets give up. No, no. Well, no, the, no, Warriors, no, I'm saying, the Warriors I'm score saying that. 41 points right. without you Steph Curry. You gave up. Right. And, I, a non and I want to be careful and, 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 with that because oftentimes in a non-defensive effort, and a non-defensive effort, you gave up forty plus points without Steph Curry. Eight yeah. three pointers. No, without question, they did give eight up eight of the point. first nine. Eight of the first nine three pointers. No, 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 no. I'm talking about what bothered me was one quarter, and it was a defining moment for both of those two teams at that in a twelve minute period. On Sunday. Definitely was. You made a decision. One team did and came out at halftime and said, screw this, screw that. It's ours. We, we ain't going down like this. This They're not supposed to be on but, our level. But my point is, did that really surprise you? I'll put it like this. It surprised me the way it happened. What? And only because. Because it's I, happened I, before. That, that this whole season. Me. Right. That surprised me that you said it. Because at. When you go in at halftime, on any level, you talk as a staff. You talk about some things. As a team, you discuss some things. Then you uh, you got. I'm gonna say less than five minutes to to put. But this uh, goes back. But, uh, all you're saying is stuff that you have done, and we personally. Seen, but this but is what the team is. This year's Rockets. Rockets. They've done that all year long. That's not a surprise. And that, I, I guess that's what bothers me more about that. Right, and I think there's a difference between something bothering you and it's bothering you all season, which I don't have but, a problem but the, but with. But Sunday was bothering anybody that's watched it. But my point more. is, is I'm I saying, it, what, it, if, you, if you really truly, it's, it's not a surprise. 
I mean, I, but I it expected you, more. Because Why? Of, uh, That's but, what I don't understand. Why? Because of what have you seen all season long that would tell you I, that it, you should expect more? I expected it more from who? From the Rockets in the third quarter, not in the fourth quarter, not in the fourth quarter. Because I've watched them just give away get, uh, games, just get away from them right. in the fourth quarter. But I've seen them but do it in the second in the half. Third I mean, it's quarter, third quarter too. You give up forty plus points. Down by 21 at the end of the third quarter. Nobody's – you don't have to call out – we know all that. We're not arguing that they did it. We know what happened. We're saying we cannot be why, – Why are you surprised? Right. We can't believe not. that you surprised. Because I didn't expect to see a team just as a team. They're not a team. They're a bunch at, of individuals. At, at, right. At, Everything you said you know is totally opposite of what you know. But now I I guess I gave them I, too I, much credit. Too much credit for just the third quarter alone, because that, that and that, and I guess it goes back from being on the sidelines, having to call a timeout and correct some things, and be, and and just watching it just as a unit. Nobody was within a gnat's eye, a gnat's hair. Of knowing what to do you keep, in that point. You keep telling us what we seen. We noticed. Not only did we see it in the third quarter, we're telling you it didn't surprise us because you keep but, repeating it, but we've seen it all year long. So we're not saying what you said is not true. So you you can restate it all you want. It's not going to change up. Oh, no. We're going to tell you you're right. And we're going to say we've seen it before. Our only question and, is we can't understand see, so, why so you based act on like you haven't seen it before. Saying, I assume you'd be shocked if the Rockets win game five tonight in Oakland. I would be totally shocked. <laughs> I already owe you all stakes because of what what's transpired and what's going to happen. I, I've been out and seen what the football team looks like. Already? <laughs> already? I've already. Oh, oh yeah. Trust me now. <laughs> uh, it's it's April. It's no, April. Uh, I'm going to tell you why, uh, why I, I'm saying this now. The only missing piece. Is what's the missing piece down there on Kerry Street, and I hadn't seen that kid yet. Yeah, I and, might and, have to bring one of the listeners oh, to and, join and, us. And let, let the listeners know what we're talking about. We're talking about the game, the, the upcoming between, game between HBU and TSU football. football at the beginning of the season. I know what HBU has as a quarterback and all. And what I'll they tell a listener on. this. If a listener purchases a T-shirt off two, the website. Two. Podcast T-shirt. Two. They they purchased two, two t-shirts. t-shirts. Yeah, they 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 welcome. I'll let them come join me, us when yeah. we go. Yeah, the fifty fifteen. Yep, get a steak. Yep, and I'll give them one of the steaks that you're gonna give me. Okay, that's cool. Works with, works for me. Okay, and, all right. And I know we know for a fact <laughs> one person listens to this show <laughs> religiously. Religiously listens to KTSU. Listens to KCOH. He knows who I'm talking about, so and he I know he doesn't have a T-shirt. So, oh, really? So I know for a fact he better be on his job. And this is not who you're thinking of. Okay, this is somebody you and I both know. I'm not gonna say his name. But he knows who, who I'm talking about. He listens to us. I think, as he put it, he listens the next day once he gets it in his, his RSS pod feed. So nice. I should tell you who I'm talking. Uh, I'm talking oh, to you, sir. Oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah. You done gave yourself away. So. I like it. You purchase is a challenge to you. <laughs> yeah. Specifically to you, yeah. sir. To you. At Two the roughly 15-minute mark of this podcast, we are talking to you to buy 
two podcast t-shirts because I do believe you like the link on the Facebook page referencing the PayPal button be on the website now. So I know you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking to you. <laughs> you heard it. You heard so it. You buy two you heard t-shirts. It. You go have steaks. One of the dog steaks, sir. Okay, so you know That's who right. I'm talking to. All That's right. right. I gladly give it to you. Yeah. But getting back to that was funny. Oh yeah, because because that person needed to be called out. So yeah, doesn't have a t-shirt. Yeah, that person needed to be called out. So go ahead, go ahead. Everybody's good now. Are we good? Are okay. we good? Cause I got some more stuff to toss out in a second. So let's go. So, but getting back to Sunday though, uh, well, not getting back to the night. Yeah, I would be totally shocked. <laughs> I would. Die. Now I'm on the page with you there. Totally I, I, I'd be totally shocked because yeah, totally I, I, just, I just don't see it. You don't see it. I don't see it. As you talked about earlier, one of the problems you have, same one I have, the effort. I, yeah. You know, I believe they're going to come out at some point in their game and give that same level of effort. Right. Could be first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, or fourth quarter. More than likely it'll happen probably second, third quarter. Because the one thing I have, teams that put out effort, especially in the fourth quarter, they know how to finish the game. You're right. I mean, literally, on a consistent basis. And that's what Golden State is. They have figured out what works for them off the bench and come in different combinations. And I go back to my my first statement. Sunday was a defining moment for both of these two teams. It wasn't defining. For Golden State, it was. Because no, they no f- because we've seen them do this before. We've seen the Warriors step up when, as one of their slogans. Their team mottos, strength in numbers. They got shirts made with that, strength in numbers. Stuff goes down, they step up. The difference in game four and game three, Draymond Green played much, hell of a lot better than he did in game three. And he thought he was one of, one of those key factors early in the third quarter Sunday in game four, knocked down two of the eight threes they hit in that, in that quarter. He set the tone, Draymond is that team's barometer. When he plays well, when he's locked in, the Rockets have no chance in hell to beat the Warriors, uh, to beat the Rockets, to beat the Warriors. That's what's going to happen. Draymond plays well, goes up against Demo. Demo can have this little whatever. Try to physical altercations against Draymond like it's going to bother Draymond, get him off his game. Draymond be like, okay, come here, come here. I got, you. I'll go right by you. Go, you know, pass you. You try to play defense, yep. light you up, beat you on the outside, whatever. Sean Livingston going to post up Patrick Beverly, one, one-legged Patrick Beverly, who's playing with a strained hamstring because he's going to just fight, gut it out, and that's commendable. But if he's limited, gonna help you it's not going to help him beat go up against a man who's right. got you beat by four inches. That's right. So James Harden and Dwight, Josh Smith, Michael Beasley, all those pieces are going to have to play well as a team. Cal Murphy says he agrees with Jason Cherry. There will be a game six. Okay. <laughs> but, but you know, honestly, what else, what else should they say? Calvin's on payroll. Jason's on payroll. He's a player. I don't want them to say we're going to come out and get behind kick. We're going to lose. So I, expect I, don't, them, I don't want them to say that, but I don't you know, know necessarily if they have to, to say anything. Well, you know there what I go. really want them to do? I want them to go do it and show me. Yeah. Quit talking about that's, it. That's all – Jason Terry should say Dwight. Dwight has well, even Dwight said this is not yeah, be our he, last game. He said that Sunday. Yeah, this and, is not. And for game him five it, will not be our last game. That, that I found that interesting that he had something to say. Well, he said he, something to say all week. He said he, a lot of stuff. In fact, and that's my point. What he told him, he told everybody else not to say anything. He told everybody else to shut up. Yeah. So it's 
it's well past time, but since game five tonight at 9.30, 9.45, whatever, it's well, talking is done. Time to get. Leave the talking to us. Thank you. That's what we get paid to do. You know, walk the walk. We're done with the talking. Doc. Yes. Last week, the NCAA <laughs> announced their academic progress rates Speaking for the of. Division One schools, men's and women's, well, all the sports. But specifically, you know, I'm Houston Round Bar View. I focused on the basketball teams, men's and women's. I'm going to give the scores, and then I'll ask you to explain to the listeners. Like I said, this is part of what we do annually when it comes out about this time each year, discussing the APRs for the Houston area schools. And one of the scores, I'm going to go with the men's teams first. Um, let me just, you can go into more specifics, uh, Doc, about what it what the APR is. But, you know, the report that the NCAA released is uh, the scores are based on 2011-12 season up to the 2014-15 season. So it does not include the just completed 2015-2016 academic year. But scholarship, this is the NCAA term, student-athletes, each semester earn one point for remaining eligible and one point for staying in school or graduating. The NCAA announced, you know, they put out the APR score for the 2014-15 academic year yeah. and then the multi-year for the four-year, recently concluded four-year period. Yeah. For the 2014-2015 academic year, and this is Houston Baptist, Prairie View, Rice, A&M, Texas Southern, as in Texas A&M, Texas Southern, and U- University of Houston. Those are the six schools I got scores for this area. Who do you think got the perfect score of 1,000 for the 2014-2015 academic year for the men's basketball teams? These are the men's basketball teams right now. I'll get to women in a second. Two of the six got perfect 1,000 scores. Rice. Nope. Nope. I do know that. Yeah. It wasn't there. Once again, Houston Baptist, Prairie View, Rice, Texas A&M, Texas Southern, U of H. Prairie Two of those six got 1,000. Nope. Prairie. Houston? Hell no. <laughs> Damn. The last two schools you named got the two lowest scores. Prairie View and Houston. <laughs> On the men's side. On the men's side. On the yes. men's side, Doc. On the men's side. Okay, so you named three. You said Rice, Prairie View, and U of H. So you got three Texas left. Silver? No, you know teacher you didn't get a thousand. You know that. <laughs> you tried, though. But they got. I they thought got, I would see how many they, I could they get got, wrong. They got a good score. Yeah. They showed. I tell you what. So the last they, they two schools, the they can get HBU the and Texas A&M got perfect scores of 1,000 on the men's side. It's kudos to HBU for bouncing back because, you know, they... Yeah, they, they had a situation had a, a, a yeah, while back. Had a penalty. But I now, the multi... Now, like I said, the lowest score for the 2014-2015... Yeah. This, this was, was interesting. Prairie View with 905. Men's basketball, 905, Prairie View. The multi-year score for Prairie View, the four years, pre, you know, four-year total, 939. The next to lowest score... And they score, right there. They right the there. The next to lowest score... For the 2014-2015 academic year. On the men's side. On the men's side, University of Houston, 906. The look on Doc's face when I just told him that, his eyes got big. 906. The multi-year score for U of H is 944. They're now, right there. Let me say this. They're right in there. In order to compete 
In a 2016-2017 postseason, teams must have must achieve a 9.30 four-year APR. Okay, so that means all these schools. Let me give you the multi-year for all six schools, alphabetically. HBU, multi-year 9.53. Prairie View 9.39. Rice 9.67. Texas A&M 9.74. TSU 9.59. U of H 9.44. U of H, out of those six, is fifth. Fifth. 944, with their 906 for the 2014-2015 year. They can't afford to stub their toe again. Correct. Because they're not that far ahead of 930. Which means next two seasons, they have problems. Are crucial. Are very They crucial. could be banned from the postseason. That is true. And two things you must remember, folks. If a kid transfers, if I'm not mistaken, Doc, I know you can correct me on this. Uh, the kid has to find, has to enroll in another institution. D1. A Division One program. Uh, within a certain amount of time, uh, which is one semester, to, uh, the second semester. By, uh, by that time, the kid must, uh, must enroll. And then the second part is, must be headed toward graduation, or you lose the GPA and the scholarship. Am I correct, Doc? In terms of the four, well, you can do two of them now. Okay. You can do a four-year measure, and they have implemented a two-year measure. If it's over a certain threshold, you can also make it. And that's the one that some people hadn't heard about lately because the one that everybody had talked about for the while is the four years. Right. So that's the key component is you have some options to see if you have a threshold with your two-year over being not just the 935, but it's a greater threshold. But if you make it, you can also get move forward. But considering U of H has 906, they're not going to use a two-year threshold. No, there's not. Even at 1,000 next year, which is a, not where they're trending, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be challenging. They're going to have to move use the four-year measure. They're going to have to hit that 930 mark. What is their last? That's what I'm about to look up. What's the last f- year? The last? If the, yeah, the four-year yeah, this year, yeah. what is the last one? Because it falls yeah. off. Right. And then they'll give you an indication so of what they need the, to make this assuming year. Assuming the website uh, database. Here we go. Loads. Give me a few seconds. But, but. I'm just trying to get folks to realize, especially, and keep in mind, I am a U of H alum. Right. So I, I'm not just throwing, throwing out stuff there. out there, you know, as a hater. This is a reality. You, you concerned. This is a reality. You concerned. Oh, without a doubt. Because, sure, I want to be part of the, you know, the big boys and all that kind of stuff. But academics... Yeah. Still I count. I know. Still important. So let's not get it twisted and think everything is going to be all right when it may not be all right. So let's see if we can pull up the previous years for the basketball program. And, uh, you know, it may surprise some people because I, I looked at it, you know, before. And it wasn't. It's like it seemed like the 2014, 2015 year. I think some players left or whatever. It was a bad year. Mm-hmm. 
you know, the previous years weren't as bad as as the 906. So let me get that here. So they should not be, you know, awful. Okay, we got, uh, let's start, let me, multi-year, let's give multi-year rate because it doesn't give um, year total. Because while I, while I pull up, well, let me, I'll just go year by year. Let me do it like that. Two, two things. And keep in mind, for the 2008-2009 season, the multi-year rate for Cougars was a historical penalty. They were on public notice because, because the score was 885. That's the multi-year rate. And what year was it? That was the, for the 2008-2009 year. Oh, that was the multi-year rate so, for 2008-2009. Yeah. So, and the score for the 2008-2009 academic year was 837. So that's going to help them. That's, that's what's holding them back now. So now let me so go. So that'll to, fall off. So as so long as they have to, something higher than that. Let me go to 2009-2010. Let's see. I'm going year by year. 2009-2010 was 960. Okay. Now the 2010-2011 year was took a step back. Was 900. See, that's what's holding them back. 2010-2011 years is hurting them. Yep. The 11-12 year was 938. The 12-13 938, that's yes, it. That's the one that you're looking at because that's the last four right. measures. So that's the one that's going to fall off. Right. So they need to hit a 938 this year or they're going to take so, a step So back. the 12-13 academic year was the best one. Yeah, so this year's measure, which is 2015-2016, mm-hmm. means mm-hmm. they measure 2014, 2015, 2013, 2014, 2012, 2013. How many did they have? And so in 2013-2014 was 960. Yeah, so you have 2011-2012. Um, so that 938 is the one that you're talking about that will fall off, so they have to hit the threshold this year. This and how many, was, how many seniors were graduating this year? At, at U of A? How many? Graduating or how many seniors? I don't know how many were graduating or are graduating. I think I know three. It, it, that really doesn't matter in terms of – that will matter in terms of the graduation success rate, GSR, which is a federal rate that is measured over the four-year period. Okay. Um, and they look at six years in terms of it as well. But really the APR is going to look at how many players you have that are on scholarship that are eligible to play – in the fall and spring, and how many return in the fall or spring. And there's some other things that can help you out in that situation. If a player goes pro, whether it's the NBA, the D League, or overseas, then they won't punish you in terms of your analysis. They won't look at that number. If a student Which leaves and goes to another school, <laughs> right. That's, that's why people in my book, and I'll talk about this a little later, the conference I went to, CSRI, they have research that talks about this specifically that the APR was actually created to make graduation or success of players matriculating through college to look more successful than they really are. Oh, and That's a whole other thing. That's yeah. the uh, framework to do that, and they sold everybody a good bill of goods. So Imagine that. that. Yeah, that's and, where, and so that's everybody's happy with that? I, I, well, I feel like this. Well, yeah, because most people, the way Brandon, most people think they're doing better, and so that's what they put it up oh, there. Okay. And that's why they say have these big statements. The overall APR right trend is trending in the right direction. They purposely do that so you won't get upset when you hear your teams are not graduating when they know they're not or 
and they're graduating in majors in terms of clustering that don't help them towards degree. So you don't feel like you're exploiting them as much if they don't put that propaganda out there. So that's oh the purpose goodness. of it, to make sure that at least most people that do not get into it like we do don't feel that way. But to get back to the point of the APR, the, the components you have versus GSR, is that the, the other component that you have to look at is two. If a young man transfers and he transfers to another school, you put a tracer on them and you can show that they actually go to school, then that's another way to make sure that you're not hit by APR. So there's a couple of things that can help you. Let's say a kid goes and graduates at another school. If you find that information out, you can actually request and get credit for that. So you can actually get some points back uh, because of that as well. So those are some things people do to help fluctuate the grad weight and things of that nature. But essentially, to your point, we found out that 938 is falling off. So to stay where you are, essentially, you need a 938 yearly average this year to stay where you are. Anything below that, you're going to dip. Anything above 938 that hits the record this year, we increase it. So, so that's where we are. So once again, for U of H, let me give these numbers one more time. So here we go. For the 2014-2015 year, just give me the last four. 906, 2013-2014, 960, 2012-2013, 979, 2011-2012, 938. And when the 2015-2016 comes out next year, the 938 will fall off. So you got that 906 will be the lowest score. It better be the lowest score. Correct. Because if not, then you have a serious problem. Yes, bro. So there we go. Now, so on the men's side, women's side, I won't get to, to as in, in detail because no one has a score as low as 906. Lowest score of Prairie View is uh, Prairie View is 911. Two schools have perfect scores, HBU, 1,000, Rice, 1,000. Rice, Basketball program has had a perfect score for like the last four, at least the last four years. At least the last four the years. The two private schools. Mm-hmm. On the women's side, they do not necessarily have the disenfranchisement in terms of looking to play professionally for big money. So we got HBU 1000, Prairie View. This is the, for 2014, 2015 academic year, HBU 1000, Prairie View 911, Rice 1000, Texas A&M 964, Texas Southern, 967, and U of H, 937. It would be interesting you notice that they no longer put the uh, academic programs these college athletes are majoring in on the websites, in the books, media guides, none yeah, of that. Yeah, you have to know. So that would be a way to further investigate. And the reason I say that, not to call any of these programs out, they can do what they do. I'm not at that level. But I do think it is important because we do have many individuals out there that listen to happen to be parents. And I do think it's important to educate the parents when you're making these decisions. Those are some of the questions I believe you need to ask. You know, um, Not only are your students graduating, uh, not only are you understanding the APR right, RP, APR rate, but also look in terms of what students are majoring in, how successful are they in the major, how successful are they when they graduate uh, to find potential jobs, um, how diverse is your staff, particularly if you're a parent of uh, minority. I think those are important things that I personally 
would look at. So I'd want to share that to the, the to the listeners and the parents to consider that. And speaking of the NCAA, real quick, because I want to let Doc and the Wildcat share their thoughts on other things as well. Sure. A few days ago, the uh, NCAA announced, I guess, an updated notice of allegations for North Carolina. Before we do that, let's stay on this APR. Okay, go ahead, sir. Because I want to look at the a- a- HBCU. Please do, yes. This is the NCAA's annual check uh the annual, excuse me, APR, this is NCAA's annual put reality check into HBCU athletic programs. And they were hit mercifully again. Uh, they put it on the limited resource component of it that the funding is not there to allow these, stu- these institutions to do what's necessarily stay above this APR infraction number. 935, we just talked about four-year rate. So, among the notable schools that are ineligible for the postseason playing football during the 2016-27 season, and this is football, Southern, Florida A&M, Morgan State, Howard, and Savannah State. You are much involved in HBCUs for quite a bit of time, so you understand when I talk about branding. But think about those four first four schools I named. And they are Southern, huge. They are huge. Florida A&M also known as FAMU, mm-hmm. Morgan State, and Howard. you talking about four historic okay. branded institutions at HBCU. They can stand alone. That, yeah, it took a huge hit. So that's one thing that stood out to me when I seen that. But as many as seven schools will be banned from postseason play following the latest APR releases. So I just told you some of them in football. Uh, but Southern – became the poster child, if you would, for ineligibility. They had several programs hit. Baseball, men's cross country, men's track, women's basketball, women's cross country. You notice that I'm losing fingers on one hand. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Women's track, softball, and women's volleyball. It's eight programs that were listed here that are ineligible. And part of this is in going back to the time where they were banned from postseason because they didn't even have data that could be evaluated. So they essentially uh, had Southern's football and baseball programs posted rates of 816, 697 respectively. So that is quite frustrating. Yeah, frustrating. The only school that I knew had a lower score than that was Texas Southern when they went through their heat with a Johnny Cole infraction component. So – that is a, a, a really bad rate. And part of the Southern's component that people had listened to the show, we talked about this earlier, that they hit because they were also providing more scholarship limits than allowed uh, yeah. at the beginning of uh, this. For upteenth years, this goes back at least 10, maybe 12, 15 years. And also a lot of those were students that were coming from international students that do – uh, this off too, so they're not only going to get this APR hit, they're also going to get the infraction piece. So Southern is in a huge hole that I'm not sure they understand. Last thing I'll do is let you get in some ask some questions. Alcorn State, Savannah State men's basketball team, FAMU's men's track team, and Alabama State's men's tennis team will miss postseason play as well. So those are some of the things you may see some folks try to look at waivers, but I heard the waivers are going away. So you have some major infraction, major problems uh, with these teams, and this doesn't even count when we look at level one, level two, and level three 
programs going on that is you had several HBCU programs, athletic programs, that hit were hit with that as well. So there has to be some change. Uh, many of the people in the MEAC thought that they were in good, good position because they were going in SWAC. But the people I've talked to and researched told me that MEAC was next. SWAC was just an outlier when you r- report mm-hmm. your APR and infractions. Those schools were not importing it reporting their numbers at the same level as other schools and there's a red f- flag because they were just huge outliers. So they starting to do these um, auditing and that's where you hit these major programs when Texas Southern went through theirs. I'm glad to say now, as a professor here, that uh, they've hit all the benchmark 935 for the last two years and it looks like they're going to continue trending, trending in the upward battle. They have a system in place that allows them to do Hold that thought, what's sir. supposed to be done. Because we're going to get back to that real quick. But I want to give you TSU's football scores going back to 2010-2011 up to 2014-2015. The first score I'll give you is now off the four-year multi-year rate. 2010-2011 uh, academic year was 854. Next, 961. Next, 2012-2013, 954. 13-14 year, 972. And 14-15, 9.55. So all of those recent four years are above the 9.30 and 9.35 marks. Yep. Now, as Which you touched kudos on. kudos to Asbury. Yes. Uh, because so t- he had to get do it a done. lot to do that. How they get it done? What, what I understand is the major thing that's, uh, that Texas Southern has done under Dr. Charles McCullen, and he's talked about this, and we plan to interview him on Dr. Ville's Inside HBC Sports Lab every that comes on every Tuesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Central. We should have him on uh, either next week or the following week. So listen to both weeks, and you'll definitely get his framework in where he'll go in a little detail. The part that I will share with you are two things that I think were – well, three things that were extremely important. He got the support from the highest level on the campus, which is the president. When I say support, not only in terms of verbal commitment saying, but actually the financial commitment that I had – allowed Dr. Charles McCullough to do what he needed to do. The second thing he did that I thought was extremely important, extremely strategic, is not only did he go get somebody that is involved with um, APR and knows uh, compliance, he actually went and got somebody that was at at the NCA that worked compliance from that side. So not only did they know it, but he also knows uh, what direction they're going, at least, you know, at least most recently while he was there. And he had relationships so that he could call and actually ask questions and knew what questions to ask. So it wasn't, wasn't like he was backdooring anything, but because he had that experience, he knew what to ask from that framework. And the third one, again, it deals with the revenue side that kind of goes back to number one, but I wanted to give the number so people kind of understand the number. Essentially, when when – Dr. Charles McCullen got here, the uh, vice president of intercollegiate athletics, uh, someone I respect that I've worked with quite a bit on various levels. Uh, so I get, I have the opportunity to get some insight. Is When he first got here, there was essentially one person in compliance. Many HBCUs, you might have seen two. He has 10 people essentially on that side, three directly in the compliance office, one that's the intermediator that's outside of 
athletics, but it works for the university with their sole responsibility is to deal with transcripts, evaluating those transcripts from students when they come in. In a lot of ways, making sure that uh, athletes are not even allowed to be invited in if they don't meet certain thresholds, which is what Mike Maletta did based under the guidance of, again, Charles McCullough, is the fact that um, Charles and Mike Maletta put in the framework that um, you they weren't taking just two-year transfers or transfers. Transfers had to have at least three years of eligibility left that they're going to take them. Transfers had to come in with a 2.5 GPA, and they had to show that they would be eligible when they get here. So it wasn't about bringing folks in, help them get eligible, and see if you can maintain that. One time they were literally bringing people in and essentially knew that they could play for one semester, but there wasn't any way that they were going to play the following semester because they wouldn't meet the threshold to remain eligible. So they just were better about how they managed the system and better about understanding what are the small things that get you in trouble with APR. So those are the three things, and I'll repeat them again to be succinct, getting the, the leadership from the president, Dr. John Rudley, financially supporting you. Number two, bringing in somebody that truly understands compliance, not somebody that just worked in some kind, but somebody that ultimately uh, knew you know, a high level of what mm-hmm. compliance is in particular had a knowledge of APR because he wrote a lot of the guidelines. And three, expanding uh, what your compliance office. With three inside compliance and those others that work strategically, they essentially have three people that work with students in terms of uh, academic improvement role and then two other folks outside of that as well that supplement that component in that office. Doc, I'd my I guess, well, let me just, What it, first of all, how does Alabama A&M get out of the trash can that they're in, and what is usable data? Yes, Southern is in the hole, but Alabama A&M has because they, issues that, 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 because they're actually going through the review now. But, but I, I would say you have to do some of parts, if not all of those three, at almost near that level. To get out of this, the first thing you need to know is that you got to you're gonna have to go down. You're gonna have to go through hell. Essentially, Cause, cause it, you can't it, get around it, it that part. You're gonna have, have to go all the way down and then build things the right way and come back up. Because and what, then you can finally get it past you. But they have usable data now. That's how they were able to give them a score. And that's what, now. So now it's talking about putting those three components uh-huh. in. At Southern University, okay. at Alabama A&M, or any of these programs, I would suggest, is putting those three frameworks in, maybe a couple of more in addition, because each school has their own nuance. But essentially, I would say, at a minimum, those three components, as I see it, from consultant, those are the things I would say that you have to put in place if you're going to dig yourself out of that. And finally, in a lot of ways, you're not going to be able to take the risk on certain uh, athletes, uh-huh. high school athletes that will become college athletes that you would have in the past. You just are not in a position to do it. Texas, um, Texas A&M, many of the SEC schools, they do transfers. And those schools are branded very well. Florida, Texas A&M, Texas, as well as Vanderbilt, private schools. So it's a little different, so I'll take them out. But the public schools, those three schools are ranked high. Mm-hmm. in terms of research, and the other ones are not far behind them. But 
you may not realize on the athletic side, all of Oftentimes, those schools will take risks. Some of them less than others. But mm-hmm. Let me just be frank. Yeah. They'll take risks on athletes that do not have these thresholds in terms of these scores. And not saying I'm totally about scores to tell you how well somebody will achieve. There are some indicators, but many people will tell you they don't tell you about a person's work ethic, which is true. Mm-hmm. But the component that's problem about that is is you're not just getting somebody that's dedicated or working and improving their academic. In a lot of ways, they have to juxtapose that to what their requirements are going to be committing to athletics, which makes it very challenging. But they have the resources to offset that. So they'll put more individuals around that to support the likelihood that these individuals will be able to be retended in terms of retention. And obviously that means they'll be able to stay eligible. But if you're a limited resource, you don't have those resources, and you're taking those risks. Uh, it doesn't work, which is sad in a lot of ways because I need to add this component. The mission of HBCUs should be. Should be. Well, I won't even say what they should be. I think they have to make a choice about this. And oftentimes political realities um, will unfortunately change the direction you're in. But I do want it to be stand, understood and put on record that the mission of HBCUs in uh, their foundation was to provide an opportunity for a class that an ethnic group that didn't have these opportunities before. And now those opportunities are spread over different ethnicities, but it's still oftentimes for first year generation students. Mm-hmm. And they're not necessarily going to be the most academic ready students. Well, so in a lot of ways you're asking HBCUs, in my opinion, to go against their original mission, that's why some of them are changing the mission, which is the argument you're making. Right. I won't get into that because okay. that's beyond the scope of what we do on the show traditionally and timing-wise. But I do want to put that out there, that people need to understand it. And like I said, when I go to these conferences, the CSRIs in Columbia, South Carolina, uh, at the University of South Carolina, SEC school, uh, tier one research type of institution, has a lot of pride on it. But I stand up and tell them. I mean, I know what you're doing. I understand brand. I know where you are. I can understand it. But don't think that I don't understand and read all this literature too. So I'm not going to just allow you to put things out there that I see is totally untrue or biased because you leave certain things on the table and leave them out. I have the ability to counter it, counteract that narrative. Well, let me and ask, I will do it. Let me ask this question here. Has a transition from open-door policy – to being a, a requirement of test scores and all, and curriculum course, you know, core changes and all, to, to coming coming in and academically wise, coming into the to to the next level of education, has that hindered? I don't know if I call it next level, but I understand. Uh, uh, yeah, but uh, uh, has it hindered the growth of the institution, or has it hindered the growth of the student, as far as them being uh, the student being prepared Oof. for? I know I, I, I know I just dropped it. That's a beautiful question in a lot of different ways, and I'll try to be succinct. Okay. It's time because we really could go in, in multiple ways. Okay, I want to give, give Southern scores, too, for the 2012. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's fair that now you brought it on the table, some listeners are going to be interested in that response. And uh, in a lot of ways, it has hindered many institutions. But one thing I talked about at this conference is I try to make sure that people understand that HBCUs are not. Uh, 
lineal in terms of how they look. They are very diverse. And we see that from the Division One institutions that operate at the FCS level, Division Two programs, they don't have to deal with APR. And then you have NII programs as well. So you have these various operational mm-hmm. levels. You even have some HBCU people won't quite believe this, but they don't even have athletics. I mean, you have some medical schools out there too. They don't have athletics. Right. You have some that are combined, but you have a couple up there like Meharry. They don't have athletics yeah. in terms of what they do traditionally when we look at it. Uh, Morehouse Medical School in itself. There's mm-hmm. several others yeah. operating like that, but those just to name a few. But the point that I'm making is that, yes, it has hurt in some ways and not in others, but I'm not sure it's the most component that has hurt. The closed-door policy was in direct relationship as political governorships, I would say, in legislations that we know in the South tend to be Republican. Yeah, yeah. One of the things they tell their constituents is, is uh, that we're going to take all these governing programs and make sure that we put them out. So that was one of the things they could sell to make sure they get reelected. And one of the things they fundamentally believe that obviously in a lot of ways, as you can tell the way I'm talking, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily believe in that. But that's what they sell. And so that's the way they operate, and they had to make that decision. So they closed the doors. Well, you can do a lot of things, and it could be, in, to some degree, healthy, because now you have a middle-class African-American family that may look at that as saying, okay, you have, you provide a better educational attainment for my students, so I'm going to send my kids there. So it can fluctuate. It, it, it changes it can, the idea. Yeah, it, it changes, changes the framework. The, the, but yeah. again, the biggest thing I'm saying, it changes your mission. Okay, yeah. Because now, who's going to educate those that, individuals that, that, that can't hit yeah, that. Yeah. And so that's a whole nother question on the table that you must look at. And the final thing I will say about that is also it, it creates an environment where you're always chasing gotcha. somebody else's mission and priorities versus your own. Mm. And that can be problematic in terms of who you are and fundamentally try to put that together couple of things and I, I was i was looking for the school but in um hbo real sports most recent show they had a segment called the arms race and how i think it's eastern michigan was trying to spend all this money to compete in football and the, taking money away from students and all the programs and all this and i cannot remember there's hbcu in that episode who just got rid of football because they couldn't afford it. The president of the school said, we cannot afford football. And I can't, I don't know if it was Wiley, I can't remember who it was, but somebody, you know, whatever. And I looked oh, for it. Paul Quinn? Maybe, maybe Paul Quinn, maybe. That yeah. sounds about right. Cause Paul Quinn, because Wiley still has their football. But, yeah, program. but I think it's Paul Quinn. But Paul Quinn, because they actually turned, the president there actually turned the football field into, into a, a garden. Garden. Yeah. And they actually sells part of his products. Yeah. A two professional team in that area, Dallas Cowboys, and he allows the students to work in the garden to help to offset help, their costs uh, for the, the, the student loans. Yes. Yes. So, but he just said point blank, we cannot afford football, we cannot afford Correct. athletics, right. and the myth that people perpetuate and saying, well, we need football athletics to help us as a marketing tool, you know, to get students. The student enrollment has grown, right? But he he you know, did dip. Originally, oh, yeah, he's done did. a lot of things sure. to increase it. But I think also there's there's a part that becomes unique within an institution, particularly an institution that has football for a very long time. 
one thing that you have add to that in Paul Quinn is actually they gave up football years ago and then brought it back. So in a lot of ways, it was not synonymous with the institution. You take away football at Prairie View, and they did for one year. It was a self-imposed, mm-hmm. and the enrollment dipped. So we don't know how that works in terms of over a period of time because it came back very well, as you talked about. But I think there's also a part in a lot of people, and this is not just HBCUs. Oh, no. These are a lot of institutions, namely those not in the Power Five Conference. Let's put that out there. Sure. Right? That um, the students are paying from 60, 70, almost 80% of the freight to have these athletic programs, many of them, the largest cost is football. You have some schools where the students actually vote on this. They vote for this increase. So they believe that you have to have football. So it can become a very disturbing question. And then the more that football in this country becomes popular, sports in general, it becomes even more a challenge because how do you p- compete? Now, if you're HBCUs and you're like the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference, there are a group of HBCUs. Uh, will be eight, seven of them now. Stillman is leaving the NCAA Division II SIAC and moving uh, to the NAIA, and it's my understanding very likely that they'll move to the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference. They will not have football. So Edward Waters is in that conference and then the one that have football and they play independently or a conference in that region. But let's say you're in, you're in the SWAT. In your prayer, you make that decision. You have some conferences that have rules that you got to play all sports. So what does that mean in terms of you staying in the SWAC? If you move out of the SWAC, now you're looking for a home. Who's going to say that you are going to get into another conference? Will Southland get, let you in? Hopefully it will, but what if they don't? Now you're looking at moving possibly to Division Two, playing as an independent. So there's a lot of variables to me that go outside of that because I'm on the side that definitely students shouldn't necessarily pay for this. The more they wise up and wake up, the more they're going to push the envelope. But I think if I'm from a leadership standpoint, I do have to point out the other side. Sure. That your decision is going to come with some ramifications. You have to definitely understand that this may be a rolling variable that the first decision may not hurt you, but following decisions that come out of that decision may hurt you. And that's what we try to do on these podcasts is give you both sides, give you different perspectives. Enlightenment. Back to Southern s- scores, APR s- scores for the 2012-2013 academic year. This is what you call rock bottom. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Baseball, 447. No show up. Basketball, 560. No show up. Cross country, 500. No show up. Football, 493. Definitely no show up. Track, indoor track, 500. Outdoor track, 513. <coughs> Uh, basketball, I think it's supposed to be women's basketball, 600. Bowling, 647. Cross country, 571. Soccer, 742. And last and least, softball, 409. That's almost like, that's a score. At one point, that was a score that you would get just by signing your name on the SAT score. That, that was what those scores are essentially. But it comes off the, un, make sure it's clear that it's not that they just had students that didn't perform at that level and didn't retain. They didn't keep a record yeah, they didn't keep of a lot records. of students. So oftentimes when they couldn't find the records and the NCAA finally said, okay, 
We're not going to allow this to linger out any further. Let's go ahead and get the data. They essentially got a lot of zeros on a lot of folks, not because they weren't eligible, but they couldn't prove that couldn't they were eligible because they didn't have the paperwork. So they, today it weighs the same thing, right. but I did want to So put the that following year, 13, 14, when they got the data, you see the improvement. Baseball, 853. Basketball, 913. Cross country, 722. Football. This is going from four to eight, essentially. Football, 907. So you're yeah. seeing the improvement, yeah. which you have. When you have data, data, which is still below the threshold, but at least it's but not. But it's a hell of a lot better than all those zeros to give you them 400 scores. So now you got a baseline is what you got to, to, to like go by right. moving forward. Right. But imagine that they have to do this for four years. So how far are they so, going to yeah. be in the hole over these years or at least two extremely high years? And the likelihood to do that in the next couple of years is going to be difficult. So right. they're going to be in the hole for a while. And essentially, if you want the roadmap, to what this is going to look like. This is if they decide to get this right and bring in the key components. You can see what happened at Texas Southern. That roadmap. And the email went, if they I, don't follow I've the roadmap, it's that, going to be a longer period of time. And, for and I've, asked, I've asked you that question, you know, off or just in passing in conversation. Yeah, certainly. So, what, and you've explained it today. Thank so, you. my question is, and I'm putting this on the record, why was there not someone else outside, inside the conference, but outside, away from the school, that started to pay attention to what was going on, what went on at, at TSU, or was it like, that's not going to happen here, and we're not going to get... This is like my that. personal opinion. I think we really would need to bring somebody in like the, Dr. Charles McCullough, and then I can report back after he calls in my show to give you a little more okay. revisit this at another. Because somebody but just from me, it. from what I've seen and all I've researched, the interviews I've done, the consulting work I've done, what I've told a lot of people, and I said this a couple of years ago, and I said it like you're three and four to APR. What I started to see and understand, it took – HBCUs, and I'm talking about in generalities, I will say that. Okay. Some maybe. I, I, but generally, it took HBCUs three or four years just to understand what APR was. They, when NCA put in APR, I think they thought it was just like a, any other program. Nobody really understood what this APR was going to do. So nobody in leadership positions, whether you're talking about the athletic directorship uh-huh. or presidents, put things in place like the other schools did so it, it's that old saying you don't know what you don't know in in this case what you didn't know hurt you two or three years later and then by then it was too late you were in the hole you would you know you were in the water and don't know how to swim real real quick you in trouble yeah as I touched on earlier um the NCA announced new notice of allegations in the case involving North Carolina and their athletic programs <laughs> on Monday. Wow. And lo and behold, the mighty, mighty men's basketball program seems to have gotten off basically scot-free. Really? Shocking, can, I know. Can I put my hand on your shoulder and say you heal? And the Are program you heal? that seems to will get the hammer dropped on them when the NCA finally, finally, does announce any you know decisions and punishment will be the women's basketball program. Shocking there too. Oh my goodness! As we all talked about, uh, I know I talked about it. Took around at the Final Four here in Houston with some some of my buddies. Yeah, watch men's program will, will be get get away free. Women's basketball program will get the hammer dropped on them, and that's what's going to happen. 
So, quote from uh, ESPN.com's Dana O'Neill. What you, did you and that's what I'm getting at. I gotta find it exactly. Jerry Tarkanian said the NCAA got so mad at uh, Kentucky they punished Utah. You know, whatever. I mean, so let me find the quote exactly. They, they punished some HBCU. So yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. Here we go. It's a quote. The NCAA is. It's par- she's paraphrasing, but you get the idea. The NCAA is so mad at the Carolina football and men's hoops. It's going to penalize. Women's basketball program. That's what that's, that's what it comes down to. So I mean, it's it's you know it was bad because before the season started, North Carolina said they found found new things. Let's put it like that: new things after the initial notice of allegations that the NCA sent to North Carolina. So the NCA gave them six sixty days more to study and decide what they're going to, to do. And lo and behold, those 60 days pushed everything back. And then by the time the punishment would be announced, the men's basketball season would be over. So was the women. So these, this new notice of allegations that the NCAA meted out, lo and behold, it's after the men's basketball season. Because initially, when all the academic fraud, this stuff, you know, the African-American studies and the clusters that Doc touched on, that the entire sound like the entire student body was in these phony courses went back 20 years and initially initially those naive folks said all oh, men's basketball got to give up that that 2004-2005 championship the band's got to come down got to forfeit and, all these things going to happen and by the way and then reality started setting in we're talking about North Carolina men's basketball oh no that can't get that's not what happened and, and, yeah. and, and by the way and I'm going to let you finish during the uh, post-game uh, interviews and during the practice breakouts, Coach Williams got a little tested at, 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 at a couple of questions. He and, took offense. And then said, I've heard more yak-yak this year questioning about this, that, and the other about the program than I've ever heard before. Men's basketball. Here's a piece from Dana's article. Men's basketball and football will be held accountable under the broader umbrellas of, quote, lack of institutional control, end quote, but with the new notice, significant penalties become less likely, the source said. That won't be the case for the women's basketball team, the program that ranks as either North Carolina's renegade sport or convenient scapegoat, depending on which side of Tobacco Road you sit. And you never want to hear institutional control. This will happen to me in the basketball program. That's what they're saying. It's the broader umbrella of lack of institutional control. That can be any number of things. And it'll end up being Golf, basketball, nothing. Tennis. Won't happen to them at all. Beach volleyball. Something that can, it's something trivial. A non revolution generating sport. But like, I know. I just, I, 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 I know that. All I, I, I can know. do is shake my head. I just, after a while, it's so, just but so according ridiculous. to the news notice, Women's basketball team academic advisor Jan Boxel is specifically alleged to have received extra benefits. See, that's in the notice. That's what they're saying is in the notice. So that's why the hammer is going to come down on the women's basketball program, quote unquote, then the men's basketball program and and the football team. This is keep in mind, Rashad McCants went on TV and said that he didn't take some of these classes. Right? He said some of these things on in interviews that uh, he got D's, F's. Man had folks change grades. He shouldn't have been eligible to play on the championship team. All that stuff has just gone away. 
a Latin and a magic lamp. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, cool. uh, uh, yeah, I made reference to that. So, so there you go. So I, you know, once again, blue on it and the, the NCAA got so mad at the men's basketball program, football team, that the women's basketball program is gonna get the one, be the one punished. So that's how things go in big, big time men's athletics. Rolling again, gentlemen. Today, real quick, gonna wrap it up. I think Monday it was announced by Ramona. Shelburne of, I think, the LA Times and ESPN.com, that Candace Parker would not be one of the 12 uh, players on the 2016 Women's USA team, Team USA basketball team. Did she hit somebody? Knock somebody down? Or did she just put a hand? You know, did, did she get mad? And, and, and where is, See, where is he going with, with uh, all I this? Because no <laughs> for Candace Parker to not be on, she had to have beat somebody down or something. You know. See, <laughs> see get, get to your point instead of saying stuff like that about <laughs> beatdowns because the point is, why was she left off the team? I, 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 that I, that is the controversy. See, you were, you were him and the horn and stuff. Wow, she left off the team. And that is the controversy. That is the thing being discussed by Michelle Vopel, and it's been all over Twitter. And today the team was the Ross was announced, and Candace was not on the on the final twelve, but Brianna Stewart was the lone rookie on the the lone basically college player on the team. She'll be in the WNBA as the season starts in a few weeks. So she's the Christian Lake now on this squad? So um Yes. Technically, yes. Yeah. All right. Because there are other new players on the squad, like uh Elena Deladon, you know, and other players like that. You know, like, I think uh, this is Brittany Griner's first Olympics. She's been a part of the world basketball team, but in terms of the Olympics, this would be, you know, Brianna, uh, Elena Deladon, and Brittany's first team, Olympic team. His only quote from that was mentioned in the today's teleconference transcript, and this is, let me get this, is uh, Carol Callen is um, her official title with USA Basketball is basically she's in charge of the UCLA basketball program in a nutshell. Let me just say it like that. Let me see if I can pull up her exact title because I interviewed her years ago, years ago, um, when Van was coaching USA basketball. She's the women's national team director. She oversees all facets. I love how they put this on the website. <laughs> all facets of the of the team programs. So that includes the senior team, the junior team, et cetera, on, on down to the various levels, you know, high school teams on up to so the pipeline for USA basketball. So Carol Callen said regarding Candace Parker's om- omittance. It doesn't really say a heck of a lot. Go figure. <laughs> but uh, here we go. Here's a question posed by the, the media. Being the chair of the committee, you have one player from 2012 out of 10 who was a finalist who isn't going to be on this team with Candace Parker. Can you talk about why she wasn't selected? And this is Carol Callan answering the question. Keep in mind, Gene Oriema is the head coach of the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate your question because Candace is a great player. She's a two-time Olympian. She's done a lot for us in the past since she was in high school. As a committee, we don't get into specifics speaking about each player publicly. Needless to say, there are a lot of deliberations. We have a committee for a reason. Every player has an advocate, and in that case, it's not just one person who is making a decision. 
So I may not be able to satisfy your question with an answer specifically of why or why not. <laughs> but I think what it does speak to is that we have incredible depth on this team. We have 10 Olympians, as you mentioned, from 2012. We had five more newcomers in the World Championship. That's 15 athletes without even considering some of the emerging young players that we have currently. We're looking at depth and talent at each position. And there are just a lot of numbers games that are played at that 3-4 position. That is the strength of our team. So we appreciate Candace. It's not an easy call to make. It's not an easy call to hear from her perspective. And yet what we are trying to do is pick a team collectively that we feel has the best chance to win the gold medal, and we think we've done that. Wait a minute. And, now, hold, hold on, hold on. I was just being facetious and just going somewhere with that earlier. But that was a bunch of hooey-hoo drawn out in our letter, in reference to, don't ask me no questions. You're not in charge of this team. I'm helping put this team together, and what's out there is what's out there. You got a problem with it, get on the board. Other than that, don't ask me no questions. Now, that's what I got out of that. And that's just me now. And real quick, let me just give you the, the that was it? 12 <laughs> players on the who, who were announced on the team. See if they can give me a... So it's 12 and 3 alternates? Right now? No, oh, it's the 12-player team. 12 okay. team, yeah. Let's see, get the official announcement here. Mm, mm. And I think it was announced on the Today Show. They're trying to tie on with their NBC hosting the Olympics, you know, broadcasting the Olympics, all those things. Yeah, okay. okay so the, uh, and today was the 100-day countdown of the start of the Olympics in Rio. So here we go. Headline by three-time gold medalist and tri-captain Sue Bird, Tamika Catchings, and Diana Taurasi. The uh, team was selected by the Player Selection Committee. The 2016 team also includes two-time Olympic gold medalist Simone Augustus, Sylvia Fowles, and Tina Charles, Andrew McCautry, Maya Moore, and Lindsey Whalen. And competing in the first Olympic Games are, as I said, Elena Deladon, Brittany Griner, and Brianna Stewart. I think there are five UConn players, former UConn players on this squad. I think that's correct. Um, but four of the 12 play for one WNBA franchise, the Minnesota Lynx. Simone Augustus, Sylvia Fowles, Tina Charles, and Maya Moore. So one-third of the team plays for the Lynx. So that could be something. And I think that the USA team is going for the sixth consecutive gold medal. Wow. Impressive. So that is impressive. And you can ask, you can debate who, why Candace was not Included on the team, naturally, Lady Vols fans are pissed off at Gino, and other people are <laughs> upset. Um, you know, I was gonna say because Candace is thirty years old. It's not like she's you know over the hill, so she still has games. She was the best player on, on the recent trip of that world, you know, competing in some world championship events. So she was the best player. So it's it's up for debate, and it's going to be a question up until the Olympics. And throughout the Olympics, why Candace was not on this team, especially if Brianna Stewart struggles. If any, if USA struggles in any of the competitions, why wasn't Candace on this team? Right, et cetera, et cetera. So and that's going to be a question. And the unheard of happened is sure going to be questioned. Oh, yeah. They, if they lose. Or if they, a game is close. So it's going to I'm just going to say that. If a so game is close, it's, it's going to be a question. It's going to happen. So why they brought that un- unnecessary attention to themselves, you know, they did. So it's done. But. On the men's side, gentlemen, mark your calendars. 
let me see if I can get the date correct because I know it's going to happen. August 1st, inside Toyota Center, Team USA, the men's national team, USA men's team will have a game versus Nigeria as part of their exhibition Why am I not surprised? Uh, They will be competing in uh, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Oakland, Chicago, and Houston. So we'll have a chance to see Coach K and his coaching staff and the yet-to-be-named, yet-to-be-named, the 12-man roster for the men's team will be playing in a game versus Nigeria August 1st inside Toyota Center. So I will be at that. And actually, they are the favorite men's team. USA men's team is the favorite to win, bring home the gold once again. But it's not as clear-cut as it is, in my opinion, on the women's side because we have a lot more competition, Argentina, Spain, et cetera, yeah, right. you yeah, know, France. A lot of guys with uh, NBA experience. So we'll see, and it's, and it's a different, it, I mean, one and done, really. Yeah. Once you get to the medal rounds, you, you lose, you're done. You yeah, know, you so. have to be on the game, your game the whole entire time once you get to those so, single elimination games. Gentlemen, lastly, how can folks find you on the Internet? Uh, before I mention that, I want to give out a, some information that's concerning Sanders Center Junior College. Uh, their men's soccer team is will hold open tryouts for the 2016 season on Friday, May 13th, from 6 to 9 p.m. at the South Campus Soccer Field. That is on 13735 Beamer Road. Your contact person is Head Coach Ian Spooner at 281. Nine two two, three four seven five. That's men's soccer coach Ian Spooner, two eight one, nine two two, three four seven five. Or you can go to the school's website at sandjacksports.com. That's sandjacksports.com. I am the fifth ward Wildcat. You can find me online at Twitter, Facebook, J.L. Woodley 1, Jerry L. Woodley Jr. On YouTube, SoundCloud, TweetDeck, Blogger, at AKSVCSR, The College Sports Report. Doc? Yes, this is Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. You can find me on the social media platforms at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. One word there, and you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Get information about uh, different times when I travel these conferences that I talk about. Interesting reports I see out there. I provide uh, retweets or send them out. Facebook posting updates and things of that nature. Always um, giving information that I feel is in- interesting and intriguing. Also, you can listen to me every Tuesday on KKBQ 97, 92.9, I should say, 92.9 FM HD 2. If you can't listen to it live, well, uh, if you want to listen to it live from your phone, you can type in the TuneIn app, KCOH. You can listen and also watch at KCOH TV. Uh, if you're not 
able to find any of those live, you can go to SoundCloud and get the recorded version of the show as a podcast and listen anytime that you have the time and it's convenient for you. And that's at Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. So you can just go to SoundCloud and type in Dr. Cavill's, that's D-R-C-A-V-I-L, possibly S, Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, and it will come up and you can put on your shows. You can look up my give a description. So if you want to go back in the archives and listen to some interviews with uh, different coaches, athletic directors, uh, Grant of the uh, HBCU director of the uh, Celebration Bowl, uh, commissioners and things of that nature. If you want to go listen to some of those, you can go back in the archives and get that as well. So that'll do it for me. Oh, I am the professor of sport management at Texas Southern University. Has some really good news coming up. Looks like we're going to move. We are moving in the direction that we should have a master's program within a year. Outstanding, outstanding. There you go. And I am KG Education. of the Houston Round Bar Review. Once again, KG of the Houston Round Bar Review website, HoustonRoundBarReview.com, Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube, Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram. Twitter is a little bit different. It's the HR Review. Go to the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel and check out the postgame uh, interviews with Steve Kerr and J.B. Bickerstaff from uh, Games 3 and 4. Of the Rockets Warriors first round series. We all agree that the series ends in, in five, as I predicted. Uh, on my Man Suits blog, I got my prediction wrong regarding the Heat and well, the uh, Cavaliers and the Pistons. I said Cavs in five. Cavs swept my Pistons, even though they played well. Pistons played well, just didn't get it done down the stretch and got to make free throws, got to do little things, win ball games, rebound, all those different things. That's why you're sitting, you're going fishing and the Cavs are playing in the second round. So, Talk about a lot of different things on this podcast. Listen to podcasts on iTunes as well as SoundCloud and also Pod Directory. A Facebook page at KG, Facebook Wildcat, and Doc. Check it out there. And, sir, you're on. You've been called out. You're on the clock, baby. So you, you're on the you clock. buy two t shirts. You know what? You, you listen. You can get buy two t shirts. You can have one of Doc's stakes that Wildcat is going to uh, pay off as he's lost a bet. Yep. He says he's going to lose another one as well. So, you know, so, sir, you know who you are, sir. So uh, thank you very much for your support, truly. Thank you for those people who have bought T-shirts. We're still waiting for people to post selfies of uh, wearing the T-shirts and we can put them on the Facebook page. So, but as always, thank you for your time. Thank you for your your tweets and retweets. And, gentlemen, thank you for your insight that you share with me and the listeners. I'm going to wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.